Tom Macero, Great American Mining. Thank you for joining the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show here. Sterling is off. Tom Macero is joining us. We're going to do kind of another abbreviated version today. Kind of play hard, work hard together. We're going to have some fun, but at the same time, we're going to learn a little bit about Bitcoin. Of course, we had him on a few months ago. Bitcoin was about 30000 35000 Over the weekend, it hit 60000 So thank you very much for the tips on Bitcoin because I've doubled my investment in the last three months. And uh, Thomas Arrow, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. Thanks for having me on. So what's going on with Bitcoin? Why why is it uh, the market reacting the way it is? And really, quite honestly, it's it's probably close to doubled in the last three months, at least uh, probably the peaks it has. But uh, what's going on with Bitcoin? Yeah, I think there's two things going on. Uh, right now, I think the adoption that's taking place is just a result of the sentiment that's, that's going on right now with all the money printing that's taking place all throughout the world, all the stimulus and kind of the rise in, in inflation, whether people want to admit it or not. I think we've all seen the reports of, you know, hard goods uh, and materials skyrocketing. Um, and so it's it's a form of digital gold in that sense. So a lot of folks who are running from inflation to more of a deflationary uh, place to store their value are going to Bitcoin and it, it's become very popular in that sense. The, the other big component that has driven the price up and you know the sentiment itself is now publicly traded companies who have large treasuries like you know tesla microstrategy square um i think mass mutual a bunch of other publicly traded companies have have realized that their their cash treasuries of hundreds of millions of dollars and in some cases billions or tens of billions of dollars is is actually like melting away if they just keep it in the bank so this was kind of a, this was more of like a black swan event because you had Tesla buy one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, I think, at like forty five thousand dollars. So you were you beat you beat Elon to the punch on Bitcoin, Jason. So congrats on that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm an early adapter, I guess. A little late to the party on this. I was going to buy it a few years ago, but my big thing with Bitcoin back in the day, and I say that, and this is like two three years ago, right? Because I, I would go to these early Bitcoin meetings, you know, that were organically popping up around communities because I needed to find out what it was. And I, I understood the theory behind it, but my thing was until like Amazon started taking Bitcoin or they had ATMs. and But now with the Cash app and these other apps that you have where you can just move money around, boy, it just seemed, it seemed like when the advent of that technology came Bitcoin just really took off. I, I don't know if the two and two have anything to do with each other, but are you following me? Yeah, I mean, you know, Marty, uh, Ben, who's on our team, uh, you know, he, he does a lot of podcasts and stuff and such. He, he's, uh, he's done a really good job of articulating there's two parts of Bitcoin. There's, there's Bitcoin, the kind of currency, and so where it's got this deflationary 21 million cap you know, a limit on all the Bitcoin that'll be created. So it does create create this like scarcity model. And I remember when I, you and I chatted one time, the light bulb went off. You're like, I, I didn't know that. And that kind of changed the game. That's one component. That's like the money aspect of Bitcoin and, you know, how the supply slowly kind of dwindles out to 21 million. The other component, which you just addressed, is Bitcoin, the monetary network. And so that monetary network 
is similar to what the it's basically money for the internet but it's how it's built it's like the the same type of infrastructure that email was built on on the internet it's the native money native money network for the internet and so uh as mobile device adoption picks up as our kids grow up and have their kids digitally this is what they're used to they're not used to that that's how they send money around and so bitcoin was made specifically for that use case so i think it's just growing into the reality of what it is it's like you know no one thought amazon was going to be what amazon is now you just were some you know eclectic group selling books back in the day and now look at them um and what's what's fascinating about it if you think of the amazon comparison amazon's main business and why that they are so profitable is they have this cloud computing business and this cloud computing business is what allows them because they run such amazing and they were the first to adopt this model they were this mar, this provides so much margin for the business that they can basically price everyone out um, on amazon.com and that's why they're able to offer the pricing that they do because they have a hundred billion dollar business that has 60 or 70 percent margins because they've got um computing power in the cloud and so bitcoin really is computing power for money that's what's really taking place that's why when you have me on we talk about bitcoin mining what is bitcoin mining all it's doing is providing the same type of computing power for the monetary network of bitcoin does that make sense it does Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense um i did want to ask you uh, a claim i made yesterday on the show, I said two things because we got an email about Bitcoining, wondering how that works, and you know, with oil and gas, and so having you on, of course, explains that. So, what I said, two things that you should know about Bitcoining: if if you work in oil and gas, and you just want to know the basics, you know, at a party type thing, just enough to get you by, and tell me if I'm right, wrong, or you know, if there's other two things that maybe people should keep an eye on. But I said, number one is that it's very difficult to do south of the Mason-Dixon line. So do it north of the Mason-Dixon line, and it has to do with temperature. And number two, Russia went like all in on Bitcoin as a country with their oil and gas industry. So, I mean, they're like, they're like dedicating wells to... Bitcoin and that sort of thing. So um, run with that a little bit, you know, just, you know, to tell me, you know, how important those two attributes are to the whole oil and gas Bitcoin world. And um, just kind of, you know, go from there, I guess. Yeah, no, those two points are, you know, the best thing about when people go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole is that there are different reasons that people end up thinking about someone po- posing a question about Bitcoin. There's all these different elements, right? There's this self-sovereignty kind of meme that's powerful where, you know, you replace the bank, which is pretty pretty fascinating and kind of a dangerous opinion to have. And then, and there's probably a dozen other more that you could have like kind of thrown out. And usually it's one of, and for you, obviously you being in North Dakota, you understanding, understanding like kind of what's happening there in terms of a, an industry that's developing for Bitcoin mining off of oil and gas resources, it's primarily because it's it's very attractive from a climate perspective to do 
to do this at scale. And so absolutely, we're seeing other states adopt it. Uh, Wyoming is being very aggressive right now with courting Bitcoin miners, uh, primarily due to their reliance on oil and gas revenue for their for their state's budget. And they are they have been hit big time with uh, Biden's uh, federal uh, uh, the federal lease bans that have taken place on their on their land. So, um, yeah, you've got that component that's perfect for it. It's nice and cool. These machines generate a ton of heat and it's very difficult to plop these containers or solutions down in the Permian Basin. So Bitcoin miners typically look for places, like you said, north of the Mesa-Dixon line. Uh, the the geopolitical side of things is equally as fascinating. Up until about a year ago, uh, yeah, maybe about a year ago, 80% of the hash rate, that's the computing power on the Bitcoin network, was in China. And so there has been a dedicated um, push for U.S.-based miners to start mining at scale. And so we've got folks from, you know, mining off of hydroelectric dams, uh, basically finding waste energy sources. That's where big, large Bitcoin miners go, uh, where places that can't consume all the energy that is being produced and Bitcoin miners gravitate towards those areas because it's economically viable and there is a, a healthy amount of energy there. And so China had started the, you know, kind of the the land rush when it came to Bitcoin mining. Now North America is making a hard push towards it, uh, primarily due to some of the innovation that's happening within the oil and gas space right now. And so that feeds into Russia adopting this Um you know, other countries, I believe Turkey, there were some folks doing some stuff too. Uh, anyone who has natural energy that are energy sources that are in wasted areas, Bitcoin miners are going to flock to them. Now, I would argue that uh, anybody looking to invest, like, you know, you have large publicly traded companies who are looking to invest in mining operations, they're not going to go to Russia. Um, so, you know, the, the, the focus is on building U.S. operations out at scale so people can put their, you know, uh, investments in areas that are, you know, a much more stable environment, I guess, in contrast. And for those people out there who are maybe a little bit more of a Bitcoin nerd or a cryptocurrency nerd, uh, I'm just kind of using Bitcoin as the Xerox, if you will, or the Kleenex. I think Bitcoin's got such a market on the uh, cryptocurrency vernacular that it's going to be applicable in the next question I have for you here. So when I see Bitcoin, because of the you know the, the the monopoly they're really getting on the vernacular. For number one, it's easy to say and you can pronounce it. You start talking about Ethereum and all these different clever cryptocurrencies that other people try. And I, I look at them as more fads or they're going to get kind of ironed out a little bit. Bitcoin, I think, is going to stick around and, and may become, you know, kind of the first global currency. Is is that kind of the direction where this is going or is it already there? Oh, it's absolutely already there. It's, yeah, okay. In terms of global, global currency count, I think it's, you know, it's a uh, uh, topped, a number of world currencies like Norway, a bunch of other uh, countries that's already topped uh, in terms of that. So what's, what's really, I would say, fundamental to thinking about Bitcoin versus any other cryptocurrency 
is that Bitcoin by itself, A, was the first one, but B, is truly decentralized. I know that word gets thrown around a lot. It's more of like a buzzword, but it's completely distributed, which means there is no chairman of the board of Bitcoin. So you can have the same equipment monitoring the network that anybody else can have, that Exxon could have, that Fidelity could have, that any other large corporation can have. And so it truly uh, makes it a level playing field. And, and that's the power of it, because any country can decide to, to invest in infrastructure that supports the Bitcoin network. And so um, I think you're going to start, and this is where you were going with your question about Russia, is that, okay, well, what, what does that mean? What, if Russia is investing in, in mining infrastructure uh, to do this at scale, what does that mean for us? That means that we're going to respond to it. Uh, it's not going to, it won't help by just banning it, which that we're past the point of no return on that. So then you're going to see large scale uh, mining initiatives here in the United States off of stranded energy that will, that will compete with our countries that we compete with. Well, now that we have states country. acting like businesses, because they do, you know, they, they do it in, in a lot of different ways. Um, are you having any luck with states? You know, you mentioned Wyoming before. I don't know if you're actually talking about the state or you're just referring to companies there. I know in North Dakota, you are working with some private companies. So I don't know if you're actually working with the state. Um, Two-part question. Are you working with states because, you know, states and universities are acting like businesses? And number two, uh, are you have are you having any luck? Because a lot of times I've found, especially when it comes to um, smaller populated states, and in some aspects it might be a good old boy network, but other aspects it might be just that's their barber, that's their guy who cuts their lawn. So you know, once they have one person for whatever reason they have, is because maybe it's the first one they found, or maybe they pay they're paid off, or whatever it is, doesn't matter. A lot of times they just stick with the one person. We, we ran into that a lot of times in North Dakota where they would send us to, you know, no matter what you came up with, they would have somebody that was kind of already doing that. And even though it wasn't, it wasn't it, it was kind of like that. So they had their guy or their girl or whatever. So, um, you kind of have that. Are you finding either one that States are open to this or are you running any pitfalls like that? You know, where it's, centralized you mentioned decentralized so i'll attack you on the other side where maybe states um uh priorities become a little more centralized yeah absolutely yeah that's a that's a fair uh critique and i think you know marty wrote a uh kind of a, an article i want to say about a week and a half ago and he talked about the upcoming or what he saw as a developing theme right now with states competing against each other for Bitcoin miners. And part of his thesis was some of the ongoing legislation, not only in North Dakota, with some uh, flare mitigation bills that are that are coming up with you know tax incentives uh, to, to producers to partake in this. Uh, Kentucky has offered tax incentives for people mining Bitcoin. And then Wyoming is doing something uh, as well around uh, wellhead pricing around Bitcoin. I think what will happen is the states that are most incentivized to do something in terms of actually getting something done 
are the ones who are going to make the most movement. So unfortunately, the states with the good old boy networks or the nepotism that's just baked in, they're going to get left behind. And there's just and, and, and folks like myself won't waste our time in, in scenarios like that. And so I think the more forward thinking states where it's easy to get things done are going to be the ones that are they're going to jump ahead. And then eventually, you know, some of these other states will follow uh, just like they've done on a countless other. You know, I, I almost look in uh, liken it to the business formation competition that's taken place between states. So you've got like Nevada, Wyoming, Delaware. I think there's a couple other ones where, you know, those are your desired choices to set up a corporation. And they've competed hard on that kind of digital landscape to to attract businesses. I think the same thing will happen when it comes to uh, Bitcoin-related energy uh, projects. So if you're an operator, talk to me like I'm an operator, you know, I mean, that's, that's who your customer is, right? Absolutely. If, if you're an operator and you want to drill more oil and you don't want to deal with all of the complications that come with drilling oil when you want to drill oil, which means waiting on pipelines, dealing with flaring permits and kind of regulations on that side of things, you should contact us because we can essentially act as a bridge uh, when you're, you know, when this is happening right now with new producer or producers who are looking to reopen wells up uh, right now and are trying to time things perfectly in order to, to be, still maintain a profitable business where they contact us, we come in, we can, can consume that gas, we'll pay a, you know, a, a, a fair rate for that gas, and you can, you can get your oil out and make your money. So that's how we look out of a, a symbiotic relationship right now with the oil and gas community in North Dakota. How about talk to me like I'm a state? Let's say you're a state. Um, you know, North Dakota, like I said, they're they're getting in all kinds of businesses, and now they're trying to tap into the legacy fund, where they want to give more of these uh, entrepreneurs and these young entrepreneurs that have been subsidized since college. Uh, well, it's a fair question. How can you teach entrepreneurship in college? That's like trying to teach somebody to sprint like Carl Lewis. I mean, you're either born with it or you're not. That's how yes, I look at it. Yeah, and you have to. You have. There's a fair amount of uh, trial and error, as, as all of us who have been entrepreneurs uh, understand that it's involved. Well, what's happened in, in a lot of states is they've started these entrepreneur like majors and stuff, and so they've realized after they put these kids out into the into the real world, they actually didn't prepare them for the real world, and so they've been subsidizing them since they graduated college, and now in North Dakota, they're going after the legacy fund for that, and. I'm looking at like what you're doing. And that to me is what I thought the legacy fund, if they were going to do anything, was going to be for more uh, uh, environmental and energy efficiency. Because at the end of the day, what you're doing is environmental and it is energy efficient. And, and is, is, so my question is, is that have you guys been getting any, getting your little grubby fingers into the legacy fund too? <laughs> so. No. We've kind of stayed away from that. I mean, we're a small team. Uh, I think, you know, there's obviously, uh, there's an allure to engaging on that level. But in reality, I think as most entrepreneurs, um, like we, we can kind of see the future already and we don't have time to wait for governments to do what they're going to do. Um, we believe that if we provide, uh, you know, a really compelling narrative 
uh, in public, which is what we do with the public kind of components of our of our company. We have a podcast uh, that you kind of inspired us to start, Jason, in terms of like fusing the world of Bitcoin and oil and gas. And so we talk to all kinds of folks. I know you're going to be joining us as a guest here in the next couple of weeks as well to kind of talk about the um, and this is something that you instilled in me from very early on meeting you is the quality of life that is brought to small communities by oil and gas. And I got to witness that firsthand when I went to the Bakken barbecue last year. And um, it's it, from a narrative perspective, if you can tell that story with pictures and video and um, emotion, it's compelling. And so for us, that's we, we believe in Bitcoin providing the same type of quality of life that that experience got us that day. And so uh, th- those are things that we're interested in doing. And if, if politicians get it, cool. If not, they'll get it eventually. But that's not we don't you know, we're, we're not looking for lobbyists right now. because That's what you're asking. Uh, no, well, it, it, I guess. Well, I, I wasn't. But I mean, if you're hiring, I'll take a look at it. Um, I'm just kidding. I just know lobbyists make a ton of money just to go run meetings all day. So, um, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody like, you know, governor Bergam, I think he might be open to listening to some other ideas on, on other avenues with Bitcoin and, and just the whole new digital marketplace. And the reason I say that, and I'll go back to the legacy fund for a second because that was built by oil and gas. Okay. That, that was built 100%. by oil and gas. And there's a lot of special interests trying to tie, tie their, their, you know, that's why I say grubby little fingers, you know, that sort of thing. But at the same time, if there's conversations to be had about building pipelines, which there are using the legacy fund money. And if there's conversations about, you know, still continuing to subsidize, entrepreneurs that have been subsidized for 10 years. Well, I I think that there's a legitimate conversation to say, okay, if we're going to be building this type of network, well, maybe we should look at actually building a global network to bring our entrepreneurs to the next level and bring our energy efficiency to the next level. I'm, I'm just saying it's a legitimate conversation. So is anybody having that conversation with the states anywhere? You know, yes. tax um, credits or it doesn't have to be legacy fund. I just, I just use that as an example. So you're in Wyoming, any, you know, anything like that or Colorado or anything? So there's some unique Colorado. Absolutely not. Um, Wyoming is a different animal uh, in, in that sense. Here's the thing that's taking place. Um, there are becoming Bitcoin advocates at uh, higher levels in government now. And so with Wyoming, uh, their newest Senator, Senator Cynthia Lummis is not only a huge advocate for oil and gas for her state of Wyoming, but she is a, a very ardent Bitcoin supporter. And the, uh, I remember listening to an interview with her where she was, you know, because I'm always interested in like, how did these people even fall down this rabbit hole? Was she listening to Jason at Crude Life when she heard about it? You know, huh. those are things that I that go through my mind. And when she was giving the example now, uh, her son-in-law is uh, very involved with Bitcoin, so I'm sure she heard about it early on. But when it clicked, because a lot of a lot of us heard about it early on, and it didn't click. So how did it click for her? Well, her background prior to becoming a senator was she was a state uh, treasurer for Wyoming, and she was responsible for Wyoming's permanent fund, 
and making sure that it, you know, continued to, to grow and to appreciate. And so she was constantly looking for ways to store that value to make it into a positive outcome for the state's constituents because the out of all the states in terms of if you think North Dakota relies on oil and gas, Wyoming is even more more so. They they talk about having a three-legged stool that supports their economy, oil and gas, minerals and then tourism. It's really one long leg and then two shorter legs of that stool are, you know, are what really drives it and for them they're, they, I would say that they're the most incentivized out of any of the states right now to figure something out because they don't have a choice. They, they do not want to raise taxes. They have a fairly small amount of people that live in the, you know, the state. I think it's 700,000 population. Um, and they've got to be innovative when it comes to dealing with the challenges that they have. And they're, they have probably been the most open and innovative of all the states right now to tackle their revenue. They're looking at it as a revenue problem. That's the way, that's how I believe what's, what's taking place along with the benefits of the ESG. I've, I've got my air quotes going on right now, the ESG kind of components of, of what we're doing, but they see it as primarily a way to make sure the kids can achieve the type of education that they want that, uh, you know, the services on the roads that connect, they, they see, they have a saying in Wyoming that Wyoming is just one long main street. Um, you know, where a lot of towns are hundreds and hundreds of miles away from each other, but that's essentially the, the entire state. And so it's, it's a big deal there. So we'll see, uh, they, they passed some other crypto related legislation that was like first in the country. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're the pioneers with other, uh, Bitcoin focused uh, legislation that actually impacts their way of life. I mean, think about it. A month and a half ago, if I would have told you that multiple Fortune 500 companies and the most profit, the most expensive Fortune 500 company, Tesla, um, would be buying Bitcoin as a store of value for their treasury, people would have looked at me like I had three heads. So me, and then same thing with the price, you know, um, you know, uh, ideas that I had like you know a number of months ago or years ago you know, are starting to look more and more realistic. I would not be surprised if a state starts partaking in the upside of Bitcoin with natural resources they have to not just subsidize, but to fund a lot of their state um, programs. Taking a look at even Canada's getting into the play a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of local producers in Canada, um, because they don't have a market or they, they realize the market is diminishing for just sending their gas into a pipeline. They're becoming very entrepreneurial. They're having folks come directly on site, consuming that gas for long periods of time. They'll enter into a, you know, offtake agreement at a set price and they're making more money off their gas, uh, instead of, you know, going into, going into a traditional pipeline. So, I know early on the big, you know, because you guys bring those big shipping containers, and you know, it's it's quite a you know awesome site, really, because it's 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 kind of one of those bigger than life things. But it, there's a lot that goes into it, and so early on, the easy finger pointing was, oh, that's a you know that's a hog of energy, man. That's that's inefficient. Well, 
what we found out, especially in the last year, after a lot of a lot of studies were done in the last five, 10 years, okay? And what's happened is a lot of the studies started matching up. And what they found out, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm because I'm just going off the cuff here, off of the kind of paraphrasing and quick reading, skimming this, these studies that come across my desk, is that the actual banking industry is more of an energy hog than Bitcoin is. Is that have you seen those? Have you seen this this kind of this uh, these studies that have uh, showing that the traditional banking industry is much more of an energy oh, yeah. consumer and hog than Bitcoin? Oh yeah, it's like on orders of magnitude higher, and that's yeah. not considering if you've got uh, if, if you really want to go down the wormhole. If you look at the U.S. dollar, right, then you just base off the U.S. dollar banking system. It's orders of magnitude higher, right, of all of the energy consumption. But then look what actually protects the U.S. dollar: our our armed forces out throughout the world. That our that's part of that equation. That that we that that should be part of the equation too. In terms of like a CO2 footprint of the U.S. dollar, let's if we're going to get if we're going to get very, uh, I, I just think it's very hypocritical of folks when they go down this road of like, well, Bitcoin consumes a lot of energy. Well, I mean, someone who believes in the monetary properties of Bitcoin, I think that, um, you know, wh- what is the cost of protecting all the money on the earth if we if we don't do it this way? Because really, the way we've been doing it hasn't worked. I mean, complete destabilization in our country, war after war after war. Um, And so we'd say, hey, this is a third way. I just think it's just amazing how incredibly wrong leadership can be and how they continue to be enabled because so much of our leadership today is just doing quick finger pointing, and that suppresses and holds back technology for five to ten years and I, I just pulled up one of the studies that um, that made me think of it because I, I remembered there was one quote that I just thought was absolutely hilarious that actually sums up what leadership has been over the last 10 years is that what they found out, and this is from uh, Cambridge University. So uh, we're going to say Cambridge would probably be I don't know. It would be decent. Very familiar with that report. Are you? Absolutely. Okay, so yes. you are. Okay, so what, what they were finding out, and th- this actually had to do with just the storage of data, is what, what this had to do with as far as what I'm reading on. And when they, what, what was it they found out was that, I love this quote, that um, basically cryptocurrency mining doesn't inherently produce extra carbon emissions because computers can use power from any source. To me, that sounds like somebody showed up late to the party and said, hey, guys, we forgot to carry the one. Like something so obvious that the finger pointer leaders that suppress technology for five to 10 years, like how does that shit get by? Like how does this, ob- you know what I mean? Where there's, there's really obvious stuff that seems to be allowed to just hold new technologies back. That really bothers me. Sorry, it just does. Oh, absolutely. It, it should, because it's either complete ignorance or it's malicious in its attempt to discredit, uh, you know, Bitcoin as a monetary network. And, you know, I think either one of them uh, either presented with facts or I think that's what's the most imp- kind of compelling part of Bitcoin in its growth in the last year. Right. Because over a year ago or right around a year ago, right around this time, you know, 
Bitcoin price around four, like between like four and five thousand dollars. It was right, almost exactly when oil, you know, cratered. It was during that time where people were really freaking out. And there was a, a macro investor named Paul Tudor Jones who came on. He's very well respected in the you know kind of macroeconomic world. And he said, "Look, I'm an older guy. I've been studying this for a while." And there's an adoption curve that's happening that's similar to social networks, right? They, they call it a, a virality factor. And so the fact that Bitcoin never had to go through a public market, like think about this. Typically, who usually gets access to um, the biggest upside in investments, right? It's usually the, the people who play inside baseball who get access to either VCs or angels and they get in early and then they get to cash out when it goes public, right? Well, right now, there's nothing that stops. And Bitcoin's the, like the inverse of that. Bitcoin is like for every everyday people that can buy anytime they want. And the, pe- and, the, and the group and entities that actually have the hardest time buying it are institutional folks. And so those are usually the people. If you look at the people that criticize Bitcoin, it's usually those people, the people that have gotten us in the trouble that we're in right now. So I'll let their record stand on. <laughs> where they've gotten us into the things. Hey, let's talk a little bit about if people are mineral owners quick. Not everybody out there owns minerals, so let's not get into you know war and peace about it. But for those people who know mineral owners or people who are mineral owners, you guys have a calculator at your homepage, Great American Mining, so gam.ai, gam.ai, it's uh, one of those mortgage calculators, except for it's a Bitcoin <laughs> calculator. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say it's more focused towards uh, producers rather than, um, you know, mineral rights holders okay. per se. Okay, that's why you're here is to clarify this for me. Okay. Yeah, but I think, you know, from a mineral rights holder's perspective, the, it, 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 it overlaps with this, right? Because if a producer is flaring, it means their money they're not getting money for those those molecules that are coming out of the ground. And one of the things I learned from the state of Wyoming when I dug into why they developed the and I'm and, and you probably would know this about North Dakota, one of the primary reasons why they developed their flaring guidelines, I don't want to call them restrictions, guidelines was not focused primarily on the climate related stuff. It was focused initially because it was wasting a, a precious resource that would never come back. And that's why they put um, guidelines on their flaring because every piece of that molecule that's going up in the air is just being wasted. And that's how there's, you know, that state and I'm, New North Dakota is no different in terms of being able to have the kind of quality of life uh, that, that you have. And so I, I think from a mineral rights perspective, uh, we've actually gotten calls from landowners in North Dakota um, who were like, hey, I try to call up producers and they don't care about doing this. And so I think, you know, from a, uh, a landowners and mineral rights perspective, I, I would love to have more of those folks uh, join kind of with us um, or, or just understand the technology more because there is so much gas that's being flared. That is just, I mean, billions of dollars a year in gas being flared that t- could be going to, uh, provide uh, 
you know, obviously money for those individual landowners and, and uh, mineral rights holders, but also in a lot of cases um, that, that trickles down into economies, um, whether the federal leasing percentages, et cetera. So. Hey, we're entering our sponsorship campaign and you guys are going to be a sponsor and we're little sneak preview here, folks, that we're uh, crafting a press release here because uh, with with the sponsorship, you guys are actually going to pay in Bitcoin and we're actually going to accept in Bitcoin, uh, you know, a little bit of a, you know, symbolic publicity stunt, but also at the same time, no, this is legit business here we're doing. And so... Um, kind of educate me and educate any other folks out there. You know, who knows? Maybe somebody like Amigo Pipe and Supply or Pipe and Equipment might want to take Bitcoin in the future and get an idea out of this, you know? So walk me through a little bit how this works and, you know, and and at the same time, hey, folks, uh, if you want to sponsor the Crude Life, you can do it in Bitcoin now. <laughs> so Absolutely. You know, there's two things here. There's plenty of services like... Uh, the Cash App by Square, Coinbase, I'm not as big of a fan with, but a lot of people use Coinbase. That's another way. Uh, there's an app called Strike, S-T-R-I-K-E. Um, that's another app to buy and sell Bitcoin. It's very easy. Um, you, you get it. You have a wallet that's on these sites, no different than a bank account. And you can send it to other bank accounts that give them your that give you their number uh, and you can also receive it because you have your own personal identity number uh, as well and so it's very easy we plan on you know doing this soon with you and kind of you know it's kind of a magical experience when you first uh, receive it because when you have your own wallet these are on websites so it's not a perfect analogy here but when you have your own wallet so there's like hardware wallets you know that fit on like a usb stick or other types of devices that means you completely own that bitcoin when it's on a on a a website typically you're trusting that intermediary like a bank almost like paypal in that sense and you know that's a good starter way to do it but um the first time i received bitcoin on a personal wallet was magical. It was a little scary at first, but it was also magical because it was once it was in there, there was nothing that anybody could do to, to take that away. And so, uh, you know, we're, we we want more people to be uh, become, you know, kind of useful with it. A second thing is with what's going on right now with uh, it, what what it looks like is early set of kind of inflationary kind of uh, climate. I, I would almost challenge you, Jason, to take a percentage of the proceeds that come in for sponsorships this year and put it into Bitcoin. And I would bet that your revenue would actually compound just by doing that, um, you know, by the end of the year. Uh, well, I'll take a cocktail napkin and a pen to that later when I'm at, yeah. I know many businesses that have over the last couple of years, and uh, they're very happy that they've done uh, that. No, on the, you know, the surface, that sounds like an intelligent move. So I just, you know, obviously the, the fear factor comes in about bills, and, and you just got to, you know, but it shouldn't be like that because you can, you can move the money around. That's right. So see, I'm, see, yeah. I'm, just, well, I'm, I'm answering my own yeah. questions here. Yeah, and there's a you know there's a whole economy around. So Bitcoin is considered um, it, it, it's a form of property. That's how the the SEC has defined it. And so 
um, just like any other property, it can act as a form of collateral. And so folks who have been uh, taking Bitcoin as a form of payment for a number of years are now uh, able to get Bitcoin collateralized loans. So you can put up a percentage of the Bitcoin that you own and receive dollars for that Bitcoin uh, back. So there's it's 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 fascinating what's happened in the last three or four years with adoption. Wow. Can't wait, man. This is a, this is a whole new world. It's, it's like when I got into gold and silver when I was a kid. You know, that was kind yes, of fun. And trading trading cards and comic books. It, you know, because at the end of the day, those were a commodity to me. You know, they were. I did it for the collection and tried to make money on them. And apparently some very bad investments with some Beanie Babies I still have in my safe. <laughs> that, that, that investment didn't quite pay off, the Beanie Babies. Nope. Yeah, I hear you. Uh Hey, tomorrow, by the way, get, you ready for this guest we have on our work hard portion? Uh, the Crude Life will be interviewing the co-founder of Greenpeace. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. What's his name? What is his name? Hang on here. Let me grab it. Uh, I, st- I didn't mean to stump you there. No, I, that... I recently listened to an, an episode. I think it's the same Dr. guy. Patrick Moore. Dr. Patrick yes. Moore. Dr. Patrick Moore. Yep. He's yes. the... oh, so, so you're familiar with him? Absolutely. I, re- I recently listened to an episode he did with a gentleman named Alex Epstein, who so fuels, and uh, it was fa- a fascinating listen. Interesting. Well, I can't wait to uh, interview him. I've interviewed uh, quite a few climatologist scientists. Dr. Jerry Ball is the one that stands out. People that worked on Earth Day and climate science back in the 70s and uh, 80s and, and are convinced that the whole thing is... is um, more exaggeration than fact. And so it was, it was interesting, you know, it was through, through the years for me as a journalist. So this gentleman, interesting. I just love the fact that the crude life is going to have the co-founder of Greenpeace. On. <laughs> that just sounds, that just seems like something to marquee to me. Like, yeah, that's what would be called a narrative violation right there. Wouldn't that's, that's it? Really well, is, yeah. that, is, it, is that a clash counterculture? Is that what that is? Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Well, cool. What? Well, uh, wrap it up here. What do you want people to walk away from? What? Uh, what should we end with here? Uh, I would just say that you know, r- right now is a, a great time to be able to uh, think about creating solutions. You know, uh, Jason, you mentioned before this kind of there's a lot of talk that takes place. I think you were talking about there's a, a, a lot of talking points that get mentioned and but there's not a lot of doers right now. And I think right now, Americans, uh, especially entrepreneurs, uh, people in the, in the patch, now's your time to be a doer uh, because the world's saying you can't, and this is the best time to do it. And so I, I would leave it with that kind of positive uh, spin. 